You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You know, when the truck was taking me to the lobster warehouse, I said, I said to Sven, you think it's all worth it, buddy? And Sven said, when it's for the family, it's always worth it. He also said that a lobster couldn't pinch through an athletic supporter. Sven was 0 for 2 today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I've uh, recently switched over from the office to married with children when uh, nighttime comes upon me, or late daytime. And I'm not mad about it. That is a fantastic show. But we've got uh, much more news. Of course, the news is not good news, but hey, it's football-y news. It's mixed with some corona news, which is unfortunate, but it's still football-y. So I guess it's, I guess it's good, because we're, because we're still talking about it. I haven't been forced to pack up shop or anything, so that's nice. But obviously, we've got to talk about the Devin Funches situation and uh, try to talk through and think through that. Now, I'm again, sort of breaking newsy type stuff. The plan is going to be to leave that over on uh, YouTube. My YouTube channel is Pack Daddy NFL. if you want to uh, get initial reactions. But if you did see that, I've had the opportunity to kind of learn one or two more things, add in some additional thoughts and whatnot. And that's what I'll be doing and talking about today. I also, uh, time permitting, and there should be plenty, would like to talk about the Aaron Rodgers interview that he did, which was... Um, you know, I saw Aaron Nagler had said something to the effect of there's there's no real news here. Like, we already knew all this. I don't know, man. It's not that we didn't know it. or It's not even that Aaron Rodgers hasn't more or less said this. It's just there's something about the tone of it that just felt extremely definitive. That just kind of, maybe it just hasn't sunk in for me until I heard him say it in that interview. But that just hit me like a ton of bricks. So I, I want to play that and talk about that a little bit. And then we'll see where we're at from there. But again, Pack Daddy NFL is a YouTube channel. I want to thank everybody for coming on over there. It's uh, it's growing pretty rapidly right now, so I am excited about that. I just couldn't live with the fact that I was sleeping in on weekends, and I, <laughs> I needed something else to uh, to stress about, to panic. How am I going to get all this done and do this and do that? And feels good, man. Getting too comfortable in my life. Got to keep yourself on your toes, set goals and whatnot. Plus, the podcast has been. I mean, I, it's not that I don't have goals, but it's been more or less stagnant for <laughs> for a couple years now. I mean, it's growing, but it is just creeping along, so felt like adding a new endeavor. Speaking of creeping along, if you'd like to help out, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. The biggest ways, however, that you could help out would be to either leave a five-star iTunes review, which would be greatly appreciated. If you don't have iTunes and don't feel like downloading it, which I completely understand, um... A five-star Stitcher review would be uh, appreciated. You don't even need an account. Or the number one thing you could do would be to just talk about it. Just let people know. You're talking Packers with your friends. Hey, check out this thing. It's pretty good. It's called the Packernet Podcast. I don't know if you're into that kind of stuff. You kind of seem like a Bears fan. But, you know, if you are, maybe you could check it out. That ought, that ought to get them, man. You call a Packer fan a Bears fan? <laughs> Challenge accepted. That or they just stop talking to you and hate you. Um, but, you know, again, you, you got to take risks in life, you know. you got to just put it out there. 
Is it worth losing your friends and your family to help promote the show? I think so. I think that's a reasonable ask from me. It's not like it's a guarantee that you're going to lose all your friends and family. It's not like I'm promising that you're going to get punched. Grow up. Act like I'm the bad guy here. What else? Oh, two more very important things. First of all, thank you very, very much to Ross H. for bumping up his pledge in Patreon. I really do appreciate that, as well as all my uh, Patreon supporters and whatnot. Got a couple messages I have to respond to as well. David, I'm going to try to get you in the league, but we're getting kind of full, man. Trying to figure out how to work this out. I'm kind of not sure. But also, two more things. So many more things. Um, There is now a Discord. It's so weird to me that I am now the older generation. I feel like I'm not old, but there's there's clearly a generation gap. And it's funny because YouTube does a fantastic job of breaking down the analytics, whereas podcasts can't do that very much because there's not nearly as much information and it's kind of shady, shoddy information. Not shady, it's not... Uh, maybe it's shady, I don't know, the Russians might be involved. Who knows these things? But as I'm looking at my... Uh, channel analytics here it's kind of hilarious because there's only two groups of people and this kind of holds up as far as the podcast and the facebook group but but not quite as um definitive my channel is 100 percent male which makes sense because it's a football podcast and youtube is almost exclusively male if that bothers you very simple solution tell your mom and your sister to subscribe to my youtube channel problem solved and then as far as the age group there's the 18 to 24 crowd and then the 25 to 34 crowd. And then a, to a smaller degree, 35 to 44. And then it really drops off 45 to 54. And then there's like two people in the 55 to 64 range. But the, the primary age range, and you can see this even in the Facebook group, you've got the 18 to 24-year-old crowd, the 25 to 34-year-old crowd, which is the biggest group. That's my group. Those are my people. I'm getting into that 35 to 44 crowd, but, you know, whatever. But it, it's you don't really notice it when you're in the group because everybody kind of just seems like, Kind of seems like we're all on the same page until you throw up something like Discord and you got half the group going, I don't know what you're talking about. And the other group going, how do you not know what this is? This is like breathing air. It's just it's just a weird thing that I'm on the other side of that now. I got people helping me set up stuff, although it turns out I didn't really need help. It's really just sign up and there you go. And these are your chat things. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't understand the purpose, which is kind of it's just like a. I had someone explain a chat room to me. Let me tell you something about chat rooms. <laughs> I'm the OG of chat rooms, okay? 13 years old. Not even. I think I was in like fifth grade when the internet was like a new thing. And the only thing the internet had was random chat rooms filled with uh, young people that just did really ridiculous stuff. Because now you could chat with an- anonymity and it was just weird. Like you could be goofy and nobody knew. That and then uh, old creepy men. But, you know, that wasn't wasn't a problem for me as much at least i didn't know it i didn't know what i was doing but anyways yeah so discord is a chat that's that's really all it is and then you can set up specific rooms within that chat to talk about different things not exactly sure what the voice thing is i guess you just leave voice chats i think most new technology is just really basic stuff that i assume is something really over the top and it's like no it's just a it's just this and i don't really understand the benefit of it but it's that's what it is so anyways i have a discord I don't even know if that's the proper term. I have a Discord. I have a Discord channel. I have a Discord server. There's a chat. Now, why is that different than the Facebook group? I'm not really sure, but it's it's more real-time chatty as opposed to, you know, a specific post and then comments on that post. That's that's where I'm at with that. If having, like, a, a live chat 
with people from the Facebook group sounds like a fun thing for you, especially with certain categories and whatnot, check it out. I've got a post up in the uh, Facebook group. I'm speaking specifically to my people and older. Obviously, everyone that is in the younger group is listening to me wondering why I'm spending so much time explaining a Discord server. And it's, it's weird because it's like I've, I've heard of it, but I didn't think it was a big thing. It's like everything that comes out now. I don't know. I've heard. Of, I hear about all of it. I just don't know what's a big thing. Like, I, it turns out I already had a Discord. I just thought it was an average chat. Like, there's 6,000. If you go on your phone and type in, like, chat room, there's, like, 6,000 different options. I didn't know Discord was, like, the chat for gaming, which is a whole other weird universe. Apparently, the younger generation sits on YouTube and watches people play video games, which is just shocking to me. Like, that's actually a thing that people do, and it's huge. It's like one of the biggest sports in the world is watching people play video games. Well, they call it a sport. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's it's a different universe. I don't know. What was the other thing? Oh, the phone number. The fun thing with YouTube is I can kind of branch out a little bit in terms of what I can do with the uh, the graphics and, and whatnot. It makes it a little bit harder, but it makes it a little bit more interesting. You can have a little bit more fun with it, and I want to have more fun with it. Bringing in video and images and whatnot. And so what I'm encouraging people to do is to call or text into the phone number, and it can be anything. It can be a question, it can be a comment, it could be a rant, it could be just about anything else. It really doesn't matter, because I'm not even entirely sure what I want to do with it. But in my mind, it's lots of different things. It could be a very serious, like, question and answer. It can be just, you know, more of a funny, light kind of segment. But I just want as many people to flood in with that phone number, to call in, text in, preferably call in, because that makes it a little funnier. But texting is fine. I can throw the text up on the screen, I guess. But um, again, it it just goes to voicemail, so I'm not going to answer and have an awkward conversation with you. So just leave a message, and if I hear it and I don't think I can use it, I won't. Not a big deal. And if I think I can, I will. And ideally, you leave like a name and location. This is Jim from Schenectady. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to make it up, and I don't think you want me to do that. But I thought it would be a fun way to kind of get up on the uh, the YouTubes, get involved, and kind of be a little bit more interactive with the people. But that number is 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. There is that information in the description of this channel also. But anyways, why don't we finally take a break, and we'll talk about all the goodies. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so we'll start with Devin Funches, who did decide to opt out of this season. Um, I'm going to try to piecemeal, piecemeal all the information that I got together and hope that, that it's all correct. Um, some of the bigger questions essentially are, what does this mean in terms of Devin Funches and the money? So unfortunately, a lot of the money is already paid out and we're not getting it back. We're not going to go to Devin Funches and say, hey, I want my signing bonus back. That money is, is gone. Plus, that money is largely guaranteed. I mean, in fact, it was a $1 million signing bonus and he has guaranteed $1 million. So that was all his guarantees. Now, what does that mean for next year? Well, essentially, in the way that I understand this, there's a thing called tolling, which is where we just kind of push it back to next year. But tolling only happens if you are an at-risk player. Now, I don't know what all the qualifications are, but Devin Funch has apparently met that criteria. And so his 2020 contract, minus what's already been paid out, carries on over into 2021. So initially, he had $1.2 million of his base salary, $1 million signing bonus, $15,000 roster bonus, $50,000 workout bonus, and all that combined for what, 2.2, roughly 2.25 million. Well, 1 million and the $50,000 workout bonus is already paid out, so 1 million and 50 dollars is just dead. It's dead and it's gone and we get nothing for it. Now, next year because the contract does toll, in other words it does push back to 2021, all the rest of that money is for next year. So his 1.2 million dollar base salary is there and his $15,000 roster bonus for a grand total cap hit of $1.215625 million. Now, the other interesting thing about this is the fact that because he doesn't have any guarantees, the Packers have, I mean, this is basically a structure if the Packers decide to bring him back. It's its up to Green Bay. They own the contract to this. Devin Funches will essentially come back. But if the Packers decide we're not interested, because let's say they draft a bunch of wide receivers next year and they want to free up a little bit although there's almost no money here so you know you got a 26 he'll be I guess 27 year old Devin Funches next year looking at 1.2 million dollars there's almost no reason not to but if they decided they weren't interested they could walk away from this and it cost them nothing so it'll be interesting to see what other players decide to opt out again the the biggest the biggest concern I have is that it almost makes financial sense especially if a large portion of your contract is guaranteed um, the, again, the biggest issue with Devin Funches is that he has no guarantees, so he may just be losing the rest of this money, and he's choosing to do that of his own accord, obviously. But at the same time, when he comes back, he's going to get at least $1.2 million from somebody. So he's, he's probably not going to be losing out on much money. So he got a million and fifty, one million fifty thousand, just for existing. Plus he gets, I don't know if he gets, he might not get any kind of, somebody's, I don't know the terminology is the problem. That may be all he gets. But again, a million and fifty thousand is not a terrible way to spend your year. So I so I don't know that he loses anything, but you look at other players with contracts again that are largely guaranteed, and really it just comes down to can you find a, an excuse? Maybe excuse isn't the right way to say it, but but for for some people that want out, it's just a matter of can we find a way to say that I am I am or someone in my family is high risk? Because if it is, I can sit out the year. I don't lose anything because my contract essentially is just pushed back and all that money is just held where it is. I believe if you're not in any way high risk and you're choosing to just not play, then you're just choosing not to play. In which case, you're essentially voiding the contract, although I don't know how that works with guarantees. I think guarantees are guarantees. But it's something to watch out for for, you know, the Green Bay Packers. 
and especially as more and more players choose to opt out, you get the feeling that this, this season means less and less. And so, again, if you have the option to opt out and lose very little to nothing, and in fact you get 150 grand um, plus whatever you've already earned from your current contract and whatever's remaining just gets pushed back, you know, if you're a younger player, you know, like, say, Zadarius, who has a ton of guaranteed money left, who's still young, so it's not like we're not going to bring him back, it just kind of makes financial sense. And again, the, the less and less this season means, and the, you know, the, the injury risk goes up because we're not able to practice. It's extremely inconvenient. You're having a stick jammed up your nose like twice a week, three times a week, whatever it is. You have to quarantine. You have to isolate. The season might not even be done. And if you win, after you batter and bruise and destroy your body, you win what? The COVID Bowl, which is what I'm calling it from now on because it's not the Super Bowl. It's just not. It's, it's a massive asterisk. Right, the, the Patriots season is done, which, by the way, kudos to me for coming up with that theory first. Patriots are tanking for Trevor. Now, I'm, I'm kind of kidding with that because I don't necessarily think it's very possible that, um, you know, Bill Belichick is orchestrating this. The people that are that are sitting out have reasons for sitting out. It's not like Bill Belichick is giving people diseases so that they sit out. He doesn't have a time machine and a disease generator. However, it's not necessarily, first of all, it's, it's certainly not impossible that Bill Belichick does not want to do well this season. That's exactly how his mind works. He understands this season is useless. It's meaningless. And so, you know, as I said to somebody yesterday, if your one bad year on this illustrious career is the COVID year, nobody can even call you out on that. Because all you have to do is go, yeah, you mean the year that half my team bailed? Yeah, I, I, we, we struggled a little bit. But then we bounced back and uh, got right back into the playoffs with a new stud quarterback. But but anyways, it, it's not impossible that let's just say he's putting it out there that if you have the opportunity to leave, I would encourage you to do so. Without maybe saying those exact words, you discourage people from playing and encourage people. You know, without saying we're trying to tank, you can come out and say, listen, your health is more important. Don't worry about this season. If you've got the opportunity to protect your money and protect your family, you know, please feel free. I'm saying you lay the groundwork to make it easier for people to leave in hopes that they actually do. And yes, it's partly for their benefit, but it's also for the benefit of the team. Again, I'm not saying he did it for sure, but it is interesting that the really intelligent thing to do, the kind of 3D chess thing to do that most people think is the right thing to do, but nobody wants to come out and actually say it, the Patriots seem to be doing it. But anyways, we have until the 3rd um, when this opt-out thing is done. We've had a massive flurry yesterday um, on top of Devin Funches. you got Marquise Goodwin of the Eagles, Michael Pierce of the Vikings, uh, Jordan Mack, Jason Vanderland, Star Latulale, Anthony McKinney, Patrick Chung, Cole Wick, Eddie Goldman, Stephen, Stephen Guidry, Eddie Vanderdose. That was uh, Kenny Clark's old teammate. Andre Smith, Kyle Pico, uh, Dante Hightower, Brandon Bolden. That was just yesterday on top of Marcus Cannon, Danny Vitale, Najee Turan, Caleb Brantley, Maurice uh, Kennedy, Chance Warmack, DeAnthony Thomas. The day before that, you had uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. So, again, the more and more and more, and it's, it seems to be going up every day, right? The first day there was one. The next day there were 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 the next day. So from 1 to 7 to 16. And again, the more it happens, the more people start talking. Players start talking about the benefits to other players as the time crunch comes down. And as people try to find excuses and reasons to shield their money, 
I don't know. It's it's just it's a race to the finish line. August third cannot come fast enough to you know cap this thing off. And and hopefully that the big flurry kind of comes to an end where people that have decided to do it and whatnot have have done it, and the people that are committing are committing. And 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 I think you know we've seen a lot about people showing up. We know Zadarius showed up. We know Aaron Rodgers is there. Um, so I'm I'm thinking if you if you fly into Green Bay, Christian Kirksey I know has been saying he's there. If you're flying in, um, I think it's safe to say you're planning on playing. Although you have to report, so if you're still working on getting the details ironed out, I guess you have to be there anyways. But but you know Kenny Clark I think is is already said he plans on playing. So it is what it is. Uh, the the unfortunate reality is that this is going to be kind of like one big long preseason. And although it, it's maybe not quite that ridiculous because it's actually going to be starters, or at least most of them, the value of it just isn't going to be there. And may, maybe that won't happen. Maybe once we get this thing going and once it really kicks off, you know, you talk about, you know, losing Devin Funches. Okay, that's one player. Could have easily just lost him to an ACL in, in preseason anyways. And it wouldn't have that big of a difference, right? Outside of uh, the Patriots, you know, you've got the Ravens have two players out. Cowboys have two, none of which I think are really all that big of a... Uh, starters most teams have zero the saints have two again both of which i think are are backups if that and then you got the patriots with six so most teams have zero the next biggest is one then like three teams have two and the patriots have six again anytime the patriots are the outlier and they also are going to benefit from it it just really reeks but um while we're on this topic actually i don't want to pivot quite yet um Free agency, as far as filling that need, I don't think we're going to really do anything. I think we're probably going to plan on leaving it. Uh, the biggest reason that I'm thinking that is with the salary cap dropping to 175, there isn't a lot of money. So essentially, the money that we're saving this year from Devin Funches not playing, which is only about $1.2 million, unless we know we're not bringing Funches back, it would make sense to just hold on to it and carry it over next year. Just, just earmark it for Devin Funches and plan on just using it next year for Devin Funches. Otherwise, we just lose $1.2 million again next year, and we're just hurting next year, which is the year in which we really need to not be hurting. So it would be better to just earmark it, and then if we decide not to bring him back anyways, then we just save the one point two, and we have that as additional money, which we need as much additional money as possible. So I don't really expect us to be spending a bunch of money in free agency, and there really isn't anybody available. I don't even really want to read the list. You can Google it, but it's just, I mean... There's nobody interesting. Now, um, Andy Herman on Twitter I saw just this morning, not when he tweeted it, but that's when I saw it, had an interesting thought about going out and getting Hakeem Butler. And um, a lot of what he said made a lot of sense, just based on the fact that there's a lot of connections. Some of it isn't quite as relevant. But his tweet says as follows, If I were Green Bay, I would reach out to Arizona about Hakeem Butler. Per Tony Topaline, the Cardinals were close to cutting Butler prior to camp last year. I think that's the biggest tidbit here. Um, he goes on to say he's now behind Fitz, Nuke, Isabella, Kirk, and Keyshawn. He fits the Funches mold, could be had for cheap, and he's got the Lazard connection. So there's a lot there that really points to Hakeem Butler. Um, number one, the Cardinals are stacked with wide receivers. The biggest problem with that, couple things. Number one, you can't put Fitzgerald on that list. Nobody cuts a young player because Fitzgerald is on the list. Um, on top of that, Although, obviously, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a monster, the fact that they're adding DeAndre Hopkins tells you what you need to know about the Arizona Cardinal. This is a team that has Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, as well as a bunch of other wide receivers, and they go out and get what? A wide receiver. The fact of the matter is the Arizona Cardinals 
play a lot of five wide. It's it's the the thing with this scheme. Remember, he came in from college and he plays a spread offense, and he's going to you know spread it out, and they they use a ton of wide receivers. The other issue with it is that none of these wide receivers are any good, at least not yet. Keyshawn Johnson graded out a 53.5. Andy Isabella was a 64.2. Christian Kirk was a 62.5. Larry Fitzgerald is a 70, but he's, again, he's declining and he's on his way out. So it's not to say that they can't get rid of Hakeem Butler, but, I mean, he was a fourth-round pick that really didn't play. You would think a, you know, 6'5", 227-pound fourth-round pick is a guy that you'd want to at least give a second year or two. But, again, if what Tony Pauline said was true and that they're kind of on the verge of cutting him as it is, and we've added in, um, why I'm having such a hard time remembering DeAndre Hopkins' name. We added in DeAndre Hopkins. It makes it easier to move on from Hakeem Butler. And again, six foot five, two twenty seven. He is that mold. He is the Devin Funchess guy. Whereas if you look at the rest of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, DeAndre Hopkins six one two twelve is about the biggest guy they have. Uh, Rashad. So the other guys they have five eleven one eighty two, five eleven one ninety eight. Uh, six foot one, two hundred one, five nine, one eighty eight, five eleven, two hundred pounds. They are the anti Green Bay Packers. The Packers guys are all these six foot four, six foot five monsters. The Arizona Cardinals are all short, shifty guys, with the exception of Larry Fitzgerald and, and DeAndre Hopkins, I guess. So that would definitely be worth uh, a look, and he would be extremely cheap. The other thing he adds in is the Lazard connection. They went to the same school. I don't know that that helps all that much outside of maybe recruitment and getting Hakeem Butler involved in it, but it's not really up to him anyway. Um, the one benefit would be talking to Alan Lazard and maybe getting his perspective, but of course Alan Lazard is going to be all for it. He wants his friend to come over there and play with him. But the one interesting thing about it is, you know, a lot of people feel like Alan Lazard got the short end of the stick because Akeem Butler kind of quote-unquote busted, right? He's a Arizona State guy that I think people thought should have been drafted before the fourth round. He quote-unquote fell to the fourth round. People were stunned by it, and he doesn't perform very well. And then, then Lazard comes around. A lot of people in the draft community really liked Lazard, and he ends up going undrafted. So when he kind of broke out, everybody felt vindicated. So there's a very, very slight chance that it's one of those things where maybe Lazard could help get uh, Hakeem Butler going. You know, kind of, they're, they're both physically about the same kind of guys and kind of help them to show how to translate it or what I mean it's it's a very slim probability but it's but it's there so anyways I, I thought it was a good insight in terms of uh, a possibility because that essentially is what you're looking for is a guy who's on the verge of getting cut that you think could help and and um but but also keep in mind Hakeem Butler is in a group of pretty bad wide receivers and he can't even get on the field so don't get if if they do it don't get all carried away with the fact that he's really big and he's friends with Lazard and it's going to be the same thing all over again. It doesn't have to be that way just because they played next to each other in college. But it is an interesting, uh, probably get a conditional kind of pick out of it. But anyways, I do want to pivot now to a couple of these other guys that dropped out. Uh, Michael Pierce as well as um, Eddie Goldman. So these are both fairly big blows. Um, I kind of mocked Michael Pierce a little bit because uh, Madden came out and said that he was the third best defensive tackle in football, which is absolutely absurd. Um, I, I do stand by the fact that he's a downgrade, mostly because he's not as good of a pass rusher as Linval Joseph was. But there's no question his ability to stop the run, um, his track record with Baltimore. And just the, the biggest thing for me is the fact that they have nobody else. It would be like us losing Kenny Clark. Not to the same degree, but just based on the fact of how big of a fall off is it. Who is their number two? Right, Eddie Goldman is the number two. You still got 
Akeem Hicks. But Eddie Goldman was, according to PFF, their eighth best player on their defense. You could even say higher because some of these guys aren't even with the team anymore and didn't play quite as much, but had really high grades. Sherrick McManus, who, as I've said a thousand times, always grades out really high by PFF, but they never give him any opportunities. But if you remove the guys that didn't play all that much, you've got Khalil Mack, then Akeem Hicks, then Haha, then Nick Kwiatkowski, who's gone, then Eddie Goldman. And Haha's gone too. So it's Khalil Mack, then I guess Dion Bush, then Eddie Goldman. So third best? I don't know. I'm telling you, man, this defense is just, it's not the same. They don't play McManus. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I think, is gone. Maybe not. They don't play him all that much. So you still got Khalil. Deion Bush is still there, but there's no reason to believe he's going to play at that high of a level again. He's another one of those guys that played pretty terribly most of the year, but had some really big games, so his overall grade was high. Uh, then you got Akeem Hick. Then you got who? Kwiatkowski's gone. Goldman's gone. Floyd is gone. I guess Roy Robertson-Harris is the next highest-graded guy, and he's way down on this list here. Prince of Mukamura is gone. I'm just saying. I don't exactly see a stacked defense. I see an overrated Eddie Jackson. I see Khalil Mack. I see overrated Kyle Fuller, who's really not very good. And Akeem Hicks, and that's about it. Anyways, I'm getting off track here. The The biggest thing that has me excited is, is the Packers' ability to run the ball. Because we have a good offensive line, and the Detroit Lions do not have a good defensive line, and they don't have good linebackers. The Vikings no longer have anybody along the interior that's going to be able to stop the Packers. They do have one good linebacker. And the Bears do have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, which is still pretty solid, but losing Eddie Goldman does hurt, so that'll help open that up a little bit. And you add in the A.J. Dillon power dynamic, and it just it just has me very excited. But anyways, really quickly, because I'm running out of time, I want to talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation. So I just want to, I want to just play this out, and I guess just give my thought, which I kind of already did, but if you haven't heard it, I want you to just hear it so you know where I'm coming from. At some point, there's like a ridiculous decision that has to be made because if you're just you and you can stay healthy, the team has to either choose about we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers, which is sounds nuts, or we're just not going to play our first round draft pick. H- how does this end? I think probably the first, the former. Um, I think that's probably what happens, uh, you know, based on. You know, just the circumstances around everything, you know, you look at, uh, just look at the facts, you know, they traded up, they drafted them. I would say they, they like them. They, they want to play them. Um, it's a different, uh, different environment, you know, in 2005, my first year were four and 12, second year were eight and eight. Um, there wasn't a clamoring, you know, to, to play me because it was normal for young guys to sit, you know, in the third year, Oh seven, we go 13 and three where, you know, one play we're overtime in the NFC championship playing at home against the giants from going to the Super Bowl. different scenario. You know, now I think uh, quarterbacks are playing earlier. It, it gives, you know, gives some latitude for young coaches and GMs to, you know, to, to play their, to play their guys. And I get it. I really do. Like, I, I don't harbor any ill will about it. Like, was I bummed out? Of course. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wanted to play my entire career in Green Bay. I love the city. I grew up there. Really, I was got there. I was 21. I'm 36 now. You know, a lot changes during that time. Um, but but look, I get it. I see it completely clearly, and, and I'm not bitter about it. Um, it just kind of is what it is. Last question, then we'll move on. So clearly, 100 and, – and that's the thing – I think a lot of Packer fans, myself included, are looking at the full spectrum of possibilities. Um, On one side, 
Jordan Love takes over essentially next year, which a lot of people think is impossible. I don't think that it is. It's unlikely based on the contract situation, um, but it's certainly not impossible. The Packers would save money. They would get a massive haul in terms of picks, and you would have Jordan Love as your quarterback. The, the biggest issue for me isn't, as far as Jordan Love taking over next year, it isn't the fact that the contract isn't um, the way it needs to be and that we would have a ton of dead money, which we would, again, would still save money. The biggest issue for me is we're not going to really get to see Jordan Love. So how do you hand the keys over to Jordan Love when he hasn't even played? Now, if Aaron Rodgers gets injured or you know opts out or something, which seems unlikely, but if he gets injured, that's that's now we're in danger territory for Aaron Rodgers. But but the, the shocking thing for me is the other end of the spectrum is, well, if, if Jordan Love doesn't play well and we're kind of just waiting to hand over the keys to Jordan Love for whenever he, you know, uh, whenever he's able to step up and he just never really steps up and Aaron Rodgers continues to play really well, Aaron Rodgers is just going to keep playing. And I still feel like on some level that has to be an option. If Jordan Love plays like he's Brett Hundley and Aaron Rodgers continues to play at a high level and possibly even higher given the new scheme and everything, I have to believe on some level it's possible. But the reason that this is so interesting is because Aaron Rodgers has has completely conceded he's not going to be playing here anymore. He uses phrases like, I wanted to have played my whole career here. He says, I see things now completely clearly as far as what's going to happen. Look at all the evidence. They traded up for him. They want him. They don't want me. It just is what it is. Now, maybe he's kind of alluded to that in the past. I don't think he's ever said it so directly. And and contrast that with what he was saying, I believe, prior to the draft when they were asking about what happens if they draft a quarterback. And he's like, my attitude is I'll beat anybody that comes in here. In other words, I'm going to play so well, they're not going to be able to get rid of me. That was his attitude as of, what, seven months ago, six months ago? And now he's sitting here drinking scotch. Talking about, you know, I, I it stinks. I was hoping I'd be able to play my uh, career here, but it looks like that's not going to happen anymore. They want him. They don't want me. It is what it is. That's the business. I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with He's already made peace with it. And what does that mean in terms of his, his motivation in this season? Maybe he's going to ball out to prove everybody wrong. But, I again, I, I just I feel like as much as we talk about Aaron Rodgers and this chip on his shoulder and stuff, I don't think he's had a chip on his shoulder for a long time. I just I don't see it. I know he's competitive, and I know he, he cares about things and whatnot, but... The attitude I've gotten from Aaron Rodgers is much more of a California cool, very laid back. Like, look, I'm, I'm. He's, he's, he's talked more and more about. Look, I know it's, it's coming to the end. I know my career is coming to an end. Now he's on this show talking about. Look, I know I'm not going to finish my career here. I know they're going to move on from me. You don't hear the fire and the energy and the I'm going to show everybody and. I just, you don't hear it. We still talk about it like it's a thing, and we still bring up the ridiculous notion that he's worried about San Francisco and oh, he's going to show them. Remember when they didn't draft him 45,000 years ago? He doesn't care. He got his last big mega contract. He's rich beyond belief. He's he's I think starting to look more at life after football. He's been you know, he's developed a relationship with Brett Favre that completely revolves around retirement and life after football and and working through this transition of not being on top anymore and you know, as much as he can try to still have the same amount of energy, the fact is he's not a 24-year-old guy who's trying to prove to the world that he was drafted too late and prove to the world that he's great because everybody already knows it. He's a lock for the Hall of Fame. He's a lock to be one of the greatest Packers of all time, if not the greatest. He's already, you know, again, he's, he's got all the money he could ever want. He's, he's got a beautiful house in California with all the complications that come with that. You know, home in Texas, home in Wisconsin. He's, he's a part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. 
as much as I want to buy into this whole thing about he's going to show everybody this year, and maybe he will, I just, I'm not getting that vibe. Not from him. I'm not getting that we're going to show everybody vibe. You know, he's kind of taking on that fatherly role of, of helping to mentor the young guys and, you know, even working and helping out the team for the sake of helping out the team in his last couple years. It's just, it's hard to, to have both things at the same time. It's hard to, on one hand, genuinely know and make peace with the fact that your career is winding down and you've only got a couple years left in Green Bay and then maybe another one or two years left with another team before it's it's lights out and also still having this this 24-year-old fire which on some level is a natural biological thing that just doesn't physically exist anymore All right I've I've talked about it before I've I've noticed that when I've gone back to the gym I don't have that same level of uh psychosis I did when I was 18 years old and went to the gym and I was just a psychopath blowing out my eardrums with my you know music in my ears and just screaming and spitting and everything else all over the place stomping around like if somebody looks at me wrong I'm gonna freak out now it's like you know everything I do is like yeah but you got kids dude like if there's even that little tiny voice that pops up and tries to convince me that I'm like some kind of animal it's like yeah but I mean you're a dad and you're old and you're you're just not cool anymore man you know, I mean, it's just you, you just don't have that natural level of intensity. It's just it's just a scientific deal. So you just add all the components together, and, and, and I'm not saying he's not going to have a good year. I think the scheme and all that's going to help. I'm just not buying into the all the other stuff. I think he's going to be a he's going to have to learn to be a more cerebral type quarterback that just plays intelligently within the scheme, and I'm hoping that that really helps the offense. But it it, it just it just kind of caught me off guard a little bit to hear it this definitive. It, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers was trying to crush any hope whatsoever. And I almost, again, I, I think maybe he's taken it too far. I can't imagine a scenario in which we move on with zero information with Jordan Love. Maybe we do. I don't know. I mean, there's other teams out there that, I mean, what do you do when you don't have a quarterback? You draft a guy, you play him, and if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, then we just don't have a quarterback, I guess, or not a good one. It's what the Bears did with Trubisky. It's what the Jets are doing with Darnold. It's what the Bills are doing with, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Tua. You know, Tua's going to be the guy. I mean, that that's what a lot of teams do. You draft a guy, you play the guy, and that's it. So maybe that is it. Maybe that's the thing, and the Packers are like, this is our guy. This is what we're doing. I don't know. It just feels weird when you have a guy that can play and you have another guy that you don't know that can play. But anyways, I, I just, I found that to be sad because as much as you feel like, well, you know, you start thinking intellectually about it, well, you know, it's you know, it's not a big deal. It's just what happens. You know, Jordan Love will probably take over in the next couple of years. But to hear Aaron Rodgers basically say, ah, you know, it's over. I say, why are you saying that? Why, why are you doing this to me? You're supposed to be fighting. No, it's my job. I win. I'm the man. I'm going to be here for 10 years. I'm going to win more Super Bowls. We're going to do this thing. He's just kind of, eh, you know, here's what it is. I'll go play somewhere else for a while, get a little bit extra money, and then I'm just going to go and uh, disappear, you know, just go sit on the beach and drink some tequila and just, you know, eat some fish tacos or whatever they do out in California and just live out my days out there. I'm just planning to disappear into the sunset. It's like, why? what are you, what are you talking about? You, you can't say that. I know it's true, and I've been saying it, but you can't say it. And so definitively, it just, ugh. It's not fun. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>